Hello and welcome to New Jersey is the world. Hey everybody, it's Chris. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to New Jersey is the world. Psyched to have you. Thanks for checking it out. Hope everybody's holding up okay after a really tense election. Nobody saw that coming. It was a long night in a lot of our lives. And uh, Jersey's a weird, complicated place. It's layered. It's not an easy place. I hope you're uh, you're not too stressed out. I hope the stress is leaving your system wherever you land. Now, today's episode a little different than some that we've put out in the past. I tell you what, I've been thinking a lot about Nork lately. I kind of am always thinking about Nork. And the Sopranos movie came out and talked with my dad about it and you know, opinion, every, kind of the same opinions as everybody. was like, oh, really fun to live in that world again. It wasn't a perfect movie, blah, blah, blah. But I remember he did say to me, it reminded me of what it was like in 1967. I see my father went to Essex Catholic in Newark and his freshman year started just a few weeks after the Newark Rebellion. After those people were rioting, after everything hit the fan, my dad was a 14-year-old kid and he started going from West Orange down to Newark. My grandfather worked in Newark at Westinghouse. My grandmother grew up right next to the Prudential Center. My grandfather grew up right on 14th Street. So I feel connected to Newark. And yet, it's a city that I was raised to avoid. It's just a couple miles away from my house. My grandparents lived across the street from me. I was so connected with them. They were so connected with that city. My father went to high school there. But my generation, it was, let's avoid it. You know, in 1996, Money Magazine said Newark was the most dangerous city in America. And look, the crime statistics, you can read them. Those are numbers. But it doesn't change the fact that those of us who grew up in the suburbs of this city that was once regarded as this great American city, there's a whole generation of us that have these family connections to the place. And we have no connection. In fact, we were actively almost disconnected from it. I don't think I'm the only one who grew up in North Jersey. Who can say this? Family roots in Newark? Personal connection to Newark? Not much. This weird looming specter of Newark in the distance as a, as a dangerous place, as a scary place, as the, as the stolen car capital, as, as a, a, a place you shouldn't go. I've been reading a book called How Newark Became Newark. It's by a guy named Brad Tuttle. It's really interesting to read about the history. I'm pretty early into it. It was founded by Puritans. I don't know that. Interesting too. I didn't know patent leather was invented in Newark either, or that it was such a hub for shoe making that they had such a relationship with the American South because we were shipping shoes down there. Who knew? As you can see, I'm very early in this book, but this fascination is leading me down this road where, you know, we've got the New Jersey is the World podcast and we explore Jersey. So, what I'm going to do from time to time is I'm going to keep reading this book. I'm going to keep thinking about Newark. I'm going to visit Newark. I was driving down around Newark the other day. My baby was sleeping in the car and uh, had to pick up Hallie in, in Maplewood. I was driving around the area and said, I'm just going to drive and see where the winds take me. And I'm going to talk to people from Newark. Up first, we have a friend of mine. I've known him through the comedy world for many years. A hilarious guy named Alexis Guerreros. He's also one of the cooligans. If you are a fan of soccer in America, you, you might know Alexis's work. He's really... He's gotten a lot of a number of jobs uh, analyzing soccer and doing a lot of comedy work surrounding soccer, football. He'd kill me if I was calling it. Once he hears me calling it soccer so much, but I am where I am now. Where does this series come from? Let's be honest. Some of this is fascination. A lot of it's guilt, suburban guilt, probably white guilt. Basically, I don't know how to reconcile all these feelings, but what I do know is that the relationship between the city of Newark and the suburbs of Newark. It's really fascinating and really difficult to sort out. And now that I'm raising a kid and I want to teach him how to be worldly, I want to teach him how to be less driven by fear, by anxiety, I want to make sure that he's not raised in a bubble. I think I'm thinking about this even harder. So this is going to be the first episode in a running series where I Think about my relationship with Nork and the suburbs' relationship with Nork. And I ask a big question. The first thing I, I want to start to figure out, what was Nork thinking about us? It's a question I haven't even considered until my older age. So we'll get to it. Stop rambling. 
got other interviews coming down the pike as part of this. They'll come out from time to time. And if you're out there listening and you're connected to Newark, I want to talk to you, especially if you grew up there. Maybe you own a business there, run a business there. Maybe you work in an organization there that's thinking about how to contribute to the community. Please get in touch. Reach out. Let me know. I mean it. I want to get to know a city that I should have known my whole life. I don't know it well enough. No sense wasting more time. Help me get to know Newark. And if you know Newark, fill me in. And in the meantime, enjoy this kickoff interview with my friend Alexis Guerreros. I'm actually going to start recording because this, if you want to as well, if you can just record an audio file on your end, because I want to hear this. I want to hear this. And I'm sure you can, for anybody listening, I have not, I've not filled in Alexis on, uh, on what I want to talk about today. And we were just starting to get into it. All right, I'm recording. Okay. Yeah. So we were saying, you were telling me you've lived in the city, which I, I knew you had moved out towards that way. But when you and I first met, we bonded like night one. I remember it was in the, I think it was a show you used to host and book in the East Village. Yeah. And right away. At a place called Ella Lounge. Yeah. Which I think now is called like Drexler's or something. In the basement. It was like a real yeah. cool basement that looked like people did a lot of cocaine down there some nights. Very much so. And my fat ass was not one of my- them. Uh, but I was <laughs> I was really excited to get you on because, dude, I mean, at that, at that time, I started stand-up and I also started doing uh, classes at UCB and, you know... Fucking UCB in New York was like, you know, uh, real. you were like the gaudy, you know what I mean? Like everyone was like, what's, oh my God, what's Gether doing? You know? Yeah. So getting, getting you to perform on my show at that part of my career where I was absolute trash at stand up. I mean, I'm not that much better now, but <laughs> I, at that point in particular, I, the only way I booked you is because I had a 201 number. Well, I, I, like many, <laughs> I think it's the only reason you responded. Well, like many, <laughs> many comedians of that era when I did have like some, you know, cause I, I used to help run UCB and, and, uh, many times people would reach out and one way that people knew they could get a conversation going, uh, and slice through any sense of it was, Hey, I'm from Jersey too. Yeah. And then you, that was my finesse. That was my big finesse with you. Well, then you dropped something that I want to talk about today, which was when we actually met that night and I asked you where you were from, you said an answer that's rarely said. <laughs> and even when it's said, people usually bail on it pretty quickly. You said you're not me, baby. You said you're from Born and raised in Newark. N-O-R-K. I'm from North Newark. N-O-R-F, N-O-R-K was good. Everybody in the North Ward. What's up? And then I grew up, so I grew up in a, in a, situation where i'm from west orange and then what happens is whoa town town exactly and then Let's here's go. the conversation that happens with west orange you tell people even other jersey people like when i was at Rutgers, oh i'm from west orange and one of two things happens if they've heard of it they go oh the oranges are they kind of bad and you go uh like east orange <laughs> definitely is and orange is rough and then parts of west orange is south orange but west orange is south orange mostly nice and i came from the part that's like right down the middle and then other times people go the oranges i don't know much about them and then what i say is oh i grew up near nork and you find a lot of people like me i grew up near nork mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, not far from nork energy yes and people hear me from essex county yes yeah. <laughs> Now, here's why I reached out to talk to you today. Pardon me, because my thoughts are a little scattered. But I've been doing this podcast with my buddies from West Orange. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about growing up and the complete fucking insanity of Essex County and the way all these towns are connected and this and that. And I realize everything comes back to Newark if you grew up in Essex County when we did. Everything comes back. Yeah, because y'all fled. All your families fled. This is what I want to get into. (laughs) I had three grandparents who lived in Newark at some point. Of course. Anyway, by the way, for people listening, if you don't know, 90% of the old people you'll speak to that are from New Jersey will mention the word Newark because either they live there or their parents did. And then when they were born, they moved out. Like, that's the story. My family filled in those empty buildings, by the way. Well, here's what I want to talk about. So, So your family moved in. 
after the rebellion then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my family left uh, Cuba in 1970. And I think the riot, riots slash rebellion, I feel like it's cooler to call them the 68. rebellion. 67, 68, yeah. right? Yeah, 67, 68. It was short-lived. Yeah. And by the way, we call it the riots. You so do. Like you, you could call it. Yeah, it's like, it is what it is. Um, I don't know that historically it really should be considered right, but it is what we call it. But like white flight was like a really big thing that happened after that. I only learned about this afterwards. But I, all I know is the story was told to us was like, oh, it seemed like almost overnight or in the next few weeks after after all that, pro- all those problems, people literally left their homes with the key in the front door and were just like, I'm out. I, I can't handle this. And, you know, I grew up in the section that used to be overwhelmingly Italian. So like some of those guys were still there, but really you'd see their moms like their moms still lived in Newark and they'd live in like, you know, Nutley and. Bloomfield, like Montclair, well, that's, like they they moved out. It's such a f- to the bigger homes. right. That's the thing you start to realize in Essex County is you go, oh, like okay, a certain Italian neighborhood all wound up in Bloomfield. Another Italian neighborhood wound up in Belleville. The wealthy Italians mm-hmm. went to Fairfield. Yeah, the middle class Jews went to Livingston. The rich Livingston. Jews went to Short Hills. You know the nickname for Livingston, right? Is like wildly disrespectful, though. Livingston. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, West Orange yeah. and Livingston it's are like enemy towns. Livingston, Livingston. Yeah, it's, everything's <laughs> yeah, racial yeah. in Essex County. <laughs> I grew up in a section of West Orange where almost everybody was Irish, and then you realize everybody's parents went to high school together to like the same four or five Catholic schools. They all either went to like my mom went to Our Lady of the Valley in Orange. Uh, my dad went to Essex Catholic in Newark. Yeah. My dad, yeah, my dad's, my dad, my grandfather used to drop off my dad and my uncle at Branch Brook Park. They'd hitchhike the rest of the way. And my dad has this amazing story where they (laughs) went to school the morning after Martin Luther King got assassinated. And my dad and my uncle were knocking on the door and a priest finally opened the door and was like, go home. Yeah. What are you doing here? Go (laughs) home. And they had to like find their way back to West Orange. So we all know, and you lived in it. You filled in that vacuum from that white flight. And yeah, it was me and crack dealers. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask about this because he, here's what I've been realizing more and more. Because even my, like my mom grew up in West Orange. Her father immigrated from Ireland. He lived in Newark for years before he moved to West Orange. But like my mom used to take the bus down to Bamberger's. And that was the thing. You didn't go to New York City. You went to Newark. You went to there to shop. All those bus lines ran. That stopped. And then you'd hear all these jokes about the riots growing up. You'd hear about all the Irish guys who all of a sudden you found out which who which guys owned guns. Because during the riots, they all went and sat on the front porches and waited for the, let's be honest, the black people from Newark to show up. Mm-hmm. You heard, and this is like a documented fact that the bridges to Harrison, they pulled those bridges up so nobody could leave Newark during those riots. And I feel like the more I do this podcast and the more I talk to my buddies, the more I realize everybody's got connections to Newark. The more feedback I hear, both like online and meeting people in real life who are listening, everyone in Essex County has roots in Newark. And everybody's family is left after those riots. Yeah. And I want... It, there's massive abandonment issues I, for people who grew up in my era in Newark. It, First of all, I grew up without a dad, so start there. Right. I mean, so the, city- know, the abandonment issues are coming from inside the house. <laughs> right. uh, but, <laughs> but, but even in... Whenever, like, because we grew up with pride in Newark because it kind of was like, there was something cool about it. It was kind of cool that it was dangerous. And like, wherever we went, people were like, ooh, you kids are from Newark. Like there's a story, I think I told you this once and I'll repeat it on the podcast, but um, like we exuded Newark energy because like we had nothing else to fall back on. Like we didn't have any, you know what I mean? Like we didn't really have any other points of pride. Like, you know, our schools weren't good at sports or whatever. Like it it just was what it was. The fact that we were from Newark was like a a catalyst for conversation typically, especially when you leave Newark, like go hang out at a mall or you go hang out with this, like you meet a girl from like, you know, Montclair and you want to go hang out there. Like the fact that you're from Newark meant, meant something. So like we did have a pride, but Everyone we had this conversation with is what you're finding out now is the main story is, oh, my God, is it dangerous? Or, oh, my family lived in Newark and we left. Everyone's like, yo, we left, we left, we left. And to some degree, you kind of everybody left us to figure it out on our own. Our mayor was wildly corrupt. The schools didn't really give a fuck. I could curse, right? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, 100 percent. Like the schools didn't give a fuck. The police certainly didn't give a fuck. So like to some degree, like that's why I think I'm so. 
I forgive a lot about like I forgive youth a lot. I also like I'm very apologetic for like people make mistakes in their youth. It's like it is what it is. You know, I'm I kind of understand why people join gangs. I like I we had to sort of to some degree, like we all kind of had to figure it out on our own. Like I do a joke on stage where I said none of us had dads growing up. And that's mostly true. Like the one friend of ours who did have a dad, uh, he lived in in um, he lived in Belleville. He lived like right near Newark. But his family used like Newark addresses because they I guess they had a connection to Newark to get him into schools and stuff. So that's how we met him. But um, at the end of the day, it always felt like we were just like alone in Newark. Like it felt like we were like that bit of a sore thumb. Enjoy. Like I still remember people saying because I'm, I'm white passing for those who don't know what I look like. People think I'm like Arabic or Italian or Greek. I get everything. Um, I'd, I like I'd go down the shore and people would be like, oh, yeah, we love it. Except for when the kids from North come like people would say these things openly to me. And I'm like, you can't figure out I'm I'm, I'm wearing the baggiest Anichi shirt I could find. <laughs> I'm wearing a Mecca jacket that's seven XL. You can't tell I'm from North right now. Like, but they would say shit to me where I'm like, I just realized nobody loves us besides us. You know, this is the exact thing I feared you were going to say today because uh-huh. I was talking with my West Orange buddies and I was saying I had this idea to start talking to people who have actual, not just roots in Newark, but experience living there because I can just say so honestly at this point, because like I'm 40 now and I realized how wrong this was. Newark was the stolen car capital. It was... Carjacking capital, by the way. We didn't wait for you to get out the car. My car got stolen three times. Thank God never got carjacked. So hearing you say that there was like the reality, and also we know there was a, a shopping center in West Orange called Essex Green that was like perched on 280, and they were like, oh, like it's just people from Newark come up, steal the cars, and then they're before the cops can even come, they're already back in Newark. And mm-hmm. you always heard that. You heard guns. You heard gangs. I can't explain to you how good that makes me feel, though. <laughs> like, honestly, I, it makes me feel good. I'm like, yo, I like, if you're left to your own resources, whatever your talents are will probably find its way to something nefarious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're really good at being like what, a coder or really good at computers and like hacker is a, like a pretty broad term I'm about to use here, but let's say you have like that instinct in you. No one's going to tell you like, oh, you should go work for a security company. You know what I mean? Like someone in the hood's going to be like, yo, let's break into the bank. You know what I mean? Like, so all of us used our talents for what we knew how to get money. You know, like we're all going to do something bad. It's just, it's the only thing we have access to, you know? So go steal cars in West Orange. That was a forward thinking human being who said, why am I going to steal cars of someone who knows me? Let's go somewhere where richer people have piled all their cars together, AKA a parking lot that doesn't have as good a security as Short Hills Mall. And let's just drive it back here where they're definitely afraid to come back and find it. You know, it's so true. This is like, if I scripted what I thought this conversation could be, this is it because we, I just want to be honest. We fucking abandoned you guys. We abandoned you. Our parents got scared shitless by those riots, never went back. And I'm of a generation that was taught. I mean, I can count the the number of times outside of the airport, the number of times I've been to Newark to this day, I can probably count on my two hands. I can probably say I've actually hung out in Newark 10 times. And I grew up, I mean, how far is West Orange from Newark? It's a 10 minute drive. It's literally the other side of the park. It's like maybe 10 minutes after that. Wild how little time yeah. I spent there when it's had such a massive influence. I mean, I've been to the library a couple of times, been down to the restaurants in the Ironbound a couple of times. Uh, the fucking pro- the Ironbound's a nice section. I know that's where like we summered. You know, that's like beautiful area. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's our Riviera. That, well, that's where my. Uh, <laughs> you'll be happy to hear that my my grandparents still called it Down Neck. They lived in Down Neck. Down Neck. I still say. Yeah, that. yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. that's like another thing that like. If your family has roots there, you go, we call it down neck. And that's a thing that we all take pride in. But because you and I can make jokes forever and I'm sure we will laugh, but like you're sitting here saying like, there's all these resourceful kids and they've got to steal cars. This resourceful kids who had access to an Apple II are figuring out how to break into banks. Yeah. <laughs> and we sit here and let's be honest until fucking Cory Booker showed up, nobody in those suburbs gave a shit. And like no, nobody gave a fuck. Also, neither did Cory Booker. If we're going to be completely well, honest. I know divisive, divisive guy. Good, bad. I'm sure there people who say he saved Nurk. I'm sure there's people who say he used that dialogue to launch a career. And I'm sure you have a which I'm fine with because everything's better than Sharp James. Who 
I also low-key kind of admire. Just you know? the ultimate machine <laughs> politician scumbag. Yo, gave gave plots of land to his side pieces, rode a bike out of out of uh, City Hall wearing uh, Malcolm Shabazz the school uh, hat, uh, bucket hat and wife beater uh, or a tank top, if you will. He rode a bike through City Hall on his last day as like his last FU to the city, uh-huh. 25 years after being the most corrupt human being on the planet. There's something, there's something so wildly Nork about that, that at the end of the day, I'm like, I mean, he kind of understood us, you know, <laughs> there's a I know a lot of dead people voted, but we also voted for that guy. You know what, I mean? <laughs> what? when you're growing up knowing that this is what the suburbs are thinking of you, like a hopeless, a hopeless group in a hopeless city. And our parents are telling us, don't go there. Nobody's helping. Nobody's asking why it's like that still. I was born in 1980. So I'm 10 years old in 1990. This, we're, this, we're 20, 25, 30 years after the riots. People just going, fuck it, don't bother. What's the view of the suburbs from where you are? Nice, but soft. Yeah. Like, here's an example. You and I, I grew up in the North Ward. You and I grew up a 15 minute drive from each other. Yeah. I was born in 1980. I grew up on the border, One. right where West Orange, Orange, right by Star Tavern and Jimmy Buffs, if you know those. I know exactly. Right there. I grew up, I, I was born a year after you, and you and I never met until comedy in New York City. Yeah. That's a, that to me, with a massive park in between us, by the way, which you guys would never go to, but you would assume if it was like Central Park, we'd at least cross like paths Bra- or something. We're talking Branchbrook Park here? Branchbrook, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, that's, I think, to me, like a good example of what the sub, I, I always knew like we were in a walled city you know what i mean like we were moated or so for some reason like nobody would ever come in whenever i talked to somebody about newark all they'd ever say is like oh i've i went to the ironbound for portuguese food or brazilian food once or uh you know oh uh, my you know saint benedict's i went to saint benedict's or oh i you know went to umdnj uh which are uh, two of the larger schools there like there was always a reason to go there and come back and i think the prevailing like like the sign for all of us about the suburbs was the bridge in downtown. Like if you don't know, you could take a train to North Penn station and you could walk through an above ground bridge called uh, through gateway center, go to your large buildings downtown, like where Prudential's headquartered and whatnot. And then at the end, and then you could eat in there. And then at the end of the day, you take that above ground bridge back into the train and leave. That to me was a symbol of North. Like people work in North and never touch ground. Wow. In Newark. I had no idea. They never walk, they never walk through the streets. And one of the things that makes that I've I, I grew up like we didn't have a lot of money growing up, right? Obviously, that's how you remain in Newark, right? No one, no one's rich and lives in Newark, not on purpose, at least. Uh and so you know, my grandmother and I would take the bus places. But the cool thing was like I didn't realize until I got a little bit older, like maybe in my teens, like everywhere we went, she knew somebody. My grandfather and I would walk and like You'd stop by this person and they'd be sitting on that porch and you'd say, hey, how are you? And you go to the, you know, you'd go to the bodega and you knew somebody or you'd go to the supermarket and you knew a couple of people in the parking lot as you're walking in. You were a member of society. People from outside of Newark never, never became a member of our society, never really met anyone. All you do is see what's on the news. And actually, I kind of had to live through it a second time because when all of the Black Lives Matter protests started, people kept saying like, oh, how are the riots in New York? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm sitting outside because it's COVID, right? I'm sitting outside having a drink on my front uh, in front of my building in Brooklyn. Like there's, do you see any, anything on fire here? But like the way it's imagined on the news is buildings are on fire and things are being stolen in Soho. Good. Go steal in Soho. I'd rather (laughs) go, please. You know, (laughs) that's where you steal from people. You know, like that's, if I had a gun, I would have stolen in in Soho because I would have been able to defend myself. Like that's what, like to me, I'm like, that's what you picture on the news. So people just assumed all of Newark was like on a constant burning fire and no one ever came in and cared. It was just like, we always dealt with our, well, with each other. We always communicated with each other. So the suburbs to me were like, like even watching the Sopranos early on, like he lives in Cedar Grove, right? He lives in North Caldwell. North Caldwell, my That's bad. That same which is right shit next to, to a person Grove. from Newark, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's <laughs> to us? It's like, fuck out of here. You're up Rona Ave. Uh, but like, it's like even the drive he takes up his driveway up this like, you know, like grassy, you know, wooded almost area into this little house to us. That's all of you guys. You all live in like these little these little hubs 
where like nothing really like touches. And dude, I would go to Belleville and I'm like, yo, people in Belleville have the same problems we have. There's like drug use. There's, there's uh, you know, like I did community service at a, at a church in Belleville. Um, and like the kids I met there, I'm like, y'all are doing the same shit we're doing, but we're considered so much worse because it's Newark. You know what I mean? Yeah, this gets into something very interesting because I've always had this thing in my mind. When I try to explain Essex County to people, one of the things I always say is, I have this just in from high school, I have this memory in my head, this sense feeling that you drive around, you're causing trouble, fucking around, whatever, and you wind up in a diner at the end of the night. And what you're going to see in the middle of the night is different varsity jackets. And mm-hmm. you start to figure out how weird your night's going to get based on which other varsity jackets you start seeing. So like you're saying, Belleville kids are doing the same shit. And I'm telling you from the West Irish perspective, Belleville kids were like crazy. They were like pretty much North kids to us, except they probably had a house instead of an apartment. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. like that was the breakdown was like Belleville kids you'd never mess with. If you saw a Bloomfield yeah. person, you'd probably be fine. But like if they just let it go, if they say something, because they might be crazy. Um, right. Nutley kids you didn't mess with because of their parents. Nutley, yeah. Nutley was yeah. like this quiet outlier that I always forget is part of Essex County. Yeah. It's all like kids who are 15 and like 16 and they got permits and they're driving BMWs right. and you're like, oh. Mafia. Oh, you got mafia, mafia. money. Yeah. 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 And then if you. S- I hooked up with a girl from Nutley. It was scary. Really? Did you meet yeah, her folks? Yeah, dude, her. Well, here's the thing. So she, she invited me over. I went to school for two years in Nutley. I went to Good Shepherd. And, um. Kid from uh, Good Charlotte, not Good Charlotte. Yeah, uh, My Chemical Romance oh, yeah. was in my class. Um, great dude, by the way. He taught me about Nirvana. I taught him about Wu-Tang. It was pretty dope. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, have you heard of Biggie? He's like, have you heard of Nirvana? I'm like, let's swap. Uh, this girl, great, right? She was like, oh, I live not far from the school. So we went, and as I walk into her house, it's like one of those where you walk in through the kitchen, has like those like big glass doors. Like she walks in through the back. She didn't walk in through the front door. So I didn't get to see the living room. I walk in straight into the kitchen. It's like big patio doors. And from the patio door, I could see this massive painting in her like dining room. And it's like this like gilded uh, frame. And it's a guy, a tiny guy. He's like four foot eight. I'm the way I'm remembering it. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting mm-hmm. in a suit with a bunch of rings on. And he's sitting with his hands crossed like this. And then his wife, his wife or her mom and the two daughters are standing next to him behind this like throne. <laughs> And I go, who the fuck is that? Because the painting, it was bigger than him. It's bigger than all of us. It's this massive painting. I said, who the fuck is that guy? She goes, that's my dad. I go, okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> I was like, I'm, there's no chance in hell I'm sticking around. She got mad. She's like, you know, we're not like that. As soon as we graduated uh, uh, high school, you know what that girl did? She took over a tanning salon. I'm like, you are. I knew you were. I knew you were. The this definition of Nutley. Yeah. The definition of Nutley. <laughs> yep. It was sketchy. I, I always felt like Columbia High School, which was South Orange and Maplewood, and mm-hmm. my school, West Orange, those were the crossover schools. Like if you were on the Nork side of West Orange and South Orange, you were a town that probably had a rough edge. And then if you were on the right. other border of that, which turns into living, you know, on, on West Orange, one side, it hits Orange and then South Orange meets East Orange and Newark, right? And Irvington, Irvington, again, our view, Irvington, <sighs> Irvington might be the truly abandoned people of uh, Irvington County. and East Orange. Like if you drive through East Orange, you're talking about luxury, luxury apartment buildings completely abandoned it's i mean it is by like brick church and all that yeah like you could see like oh this was a great place to live at one Mm -hmm. point and there's just nothing here and you know irvington to me the wildest story about irvington is i go to get gas once and it's freezing it might be like 10 degrees outside it's like february and uh, I hear somebody like, but there's no one around me in Jersey. You don't get out of the car to pump gas. Right. We're very, pr- we're very proud of that. Right. And I hear like, I'm like, what the fuck is that? So I lower the windows, like, like the cold air is coming in and I hear you've got to get out of the car and come here. So I see the woman in the, in the little station. She's like waving me in. So I was like, what the hell? So I get out of the car and I go there. She's like, put your credit card in the box. She she's behind bulletproof glass. She slides the bank box out. I put my credit card and she's like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know, full. And she goes, no, you got to give me a number. So I was like, I don't know, put 20. I'm like running out of gas. And she goes, okay, charges me 20. And then she goes, go back in your car and lock the doors. If you don't lock the doors, I'm not coming out. So I was like, okay, I go in, I lock the door. And I'm like, I'm like we're good. She gets out, pumps the gas. And then she, she knocks on the window and goes, you can go now. Don't get out of the car. 
She's like, we have security. And there's like a guy standing on the other side of the door. That's pumping gas in Irvington. You know what I mean? Like, and we used to party there sometimes and it got sketchy. Like if you wanted to go to like a dope Jamaican house party, you got to go to Irvington. Irvington was like big Haitian population, but they also had like a dope Jamaican population. Yo, we would hang out there. It was fucking crazy, but it was one of those things where like, it's like three in the morning and we're all like, yo, how do we get home now? Cause it's Irvington. Yo, just getting through Irvington was like, I don't know. It was like a Disney movie, like getting through like the Sahara or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do we do it? You talked about like one of the first things you joked about, cause as soon as you saw where I was going with this, you started joking abandonment issues. Those suburbs yeah. abandoned us outside of the jokes. Like when you were a North kid of that era, does it, Here's the thing I'll say. When I met you, you did say from Newark. And, I, and you have jokes on stage. I've seen you post video of you yeah, like, yeah, doing yeah. crowd work saying like, no, from Newark. Like, let me be clear. Yeah. From Newark. Like, and yeah. that's like, one, I've seen you do that to great effect. And people laugh because it's so unusual, let alone to become an artist. I know I grew up in West Orange and felt like nobody had time for, like, oh, you want to go be an actor? Fuck get off. The fuck get out the of fuck here. out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, drive a bus, you pussy. That's like, yeah, you know, be a like, fucking fireman the, or a plumber. Yeah, like, yeah. What are you talking about? Well, you too good for a factory? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. If I felt like that in a town that was demonstrably more um, comforting to its youth, I would say. Like, I have many problems with my school system. I have many, many anger issues to this day. It wasn't like what you were dealing with. So I can't imagine what it was like for you to become... Easier. Can I be completely honest with you? How so? Easier. How so? Because I had... I had a drive to do something like that made it easier. Like, you know how many kids are quote unquote, like lost in the school system, how many kids. And this is one of my biggest issues is like, you know, with like with stuff happening in Palestine and seeing like people's homes get taken away from them. Like, it's hard for me to explain, but like I saw good kids whose parents fucked up. And they got their house taken away from them. And that changed everything. They had nowhere to live. You know, a kid that used to be incredible at baseball that I played with, like two years later, I don't see him. And one day I see him pushing a shopping cart with his dad. Like that kind of shit will fuck you up. But like, there's so many kids that show no real drive and determination everywhere. But like in Newark, it leads to something worse. You know, that drop is a bit a bit harsher than it would be if you were in the burbs. And like, I'm going to go live in my mom's basement. Like, what happens when there is no mom or basement? You know what I mean? You're going to go do something much worse or you're going to be lost to drugs and because you don't know how to handle those emotions. And we live in a misogynistic society in the hood that doesn't let us like handle, you know, mental health issues and stuff like that. So if you're depressed, you go smoke it away or you go drink it away as opposed to deal with it. That kind of stuff. There's so many of those kids that just don't real have in general, don't have driving determination. But in Newark, that same percentage of kids. Like, it's a bit heartbreaking because you never know where they're going to end up. So the few that say, like, y'all want to go do something or I have this thing I want to do. Like, at home, my mom was like, you are absolutely not going to be a comedian. You're n- I got accepted to Tish for film directing and she refused to let me go. Wow. She's like, you're not going to go. She's like, you're going to go be a filmmaker? Like, you're never going to make money. You're never going to leave Newark. It was like this whole thing of, like, you got to leave Newark. You've got to be good enough to get yourself out of Newark. She's like, go to school for business and then you could own the production company. You could own the comedy club. That was always her advice. So I went to school for business. I was like, yo, I want to go to school for business. I got pushed. I got, I got helped along that way. So I actually think it was easier for me to say like, yo, I want to go do something. Like when I told, when I told my teacher, I wanted to be a comedian growing up, when I told my mother, I want to be a comedian, she immediately was like distraught. It ruined her day. When I told my teacher, I wanted to be a comedian. He was like, you know, do you want to say something funny to the class? Like they, they helped us along because no one else was showing any initiative, you know, or mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. I showed initiative, which was enough for them to say, like, how do we how do we help this person along? So I actually think it was easier for because there was less options for us. I actually think like me showing initiative helped me versus you guys had a had a like just an overwhelming amount of options in general. Right. As a bird's eye view, obviously, I don't know your exact situation, so I don't want to say that, but it, it might be a little bit easier to do what you want to do in a place like West Orange, but you have so many options that if you say like, yo, I want to go be an artist, they're like, why would you struggle? Go do this thing that guarantees you money. That was more the, that was more the conversation. I, my, yeah. my parents looked at me cockeyed. I didn't know any artists growing up. My, my section of town, I actually just wrote a note to the mother of one of my high school classmates. 
I had like done the school plays and stuff. And she, when we graduated, sent me this note. And I was like, who is this? This is Julianne's mom. And her saying like, you're really funny. You got to go for it. Stick with it. And like the idea that an ad, I was like, what is an adult? I don't know. Encouraging me for, um, but you're right. When, when I really wanted to go for it, the conversation my dad had with me was this feels hard. Um, yeah, this feels hard, which is different than the conversation you're describing. Yeah, the conversation with my mother was like, get out of Newark. Yeah, that was her big thing. But to, in my head, I was like, I did this and I survived it and I'm fine here. Like, I kind of know how to maneuver in a bad neighborhood. Right. So like, to some degree, it felt so close to home. It felt so I kind of my brain was just built to be able to survive in a place like Newark. People kept saying like, yo, what happens if you go do, what happens if you become a filmmaker? What happens if you become a comedian and it takes you like 10 years to make any money or you don't make any money? I'm always like, what's the worst that happens? I live in Newark. I already did it. Yeah. I'm still, I'm doing it. I'm doing it now. <laughs> like I kept saying to myself, like, you know what I mean? Like you, I'm living my rock bottom now. So I can't imagine. I, to me, it never, I never understood not going for it. I ended up going to school for business and I ended up going into the corporate world because you know, I did want to get out of Newark and I kind of had that pressure of my family saying like, you know, my family struggled. My mom went through a hard labor camp in Cuba for two years to get out of Cuba. Like, it's hard for me to look at that and say like, no, I'm going to, even though me being a comedian is the perfect expression of, of that freedom you were looking for. But um, it's hard for me to look at her in the face and go, I'm not going to help us. Right. I'm going to go do for me. So I did have to like, quote unquote, help us. I did have to do that in the beginning. But to some degree, it's like, it's the worst that happens. I go right back to what I'm doing right now. I'm doing pretty good. I, when you were talking before about, you know, basically the lack of a safety net for people who take a swing and a miss in Newark. Um, mm-hmm. I went to Rutgers and did not enjoy my time there, but when they got good at football after I graduated during the Ray Rice years, I started like following. And I started noticing there's been this trend that doesn't get talked about where there's now been three high-level kids who came out of Nork schools, got scholarships to Rutgers. From what I can read up on it, they never wind up at Rutgers because the Nork schools' paperwork is so fucked up and the standards are so fucked up. And then you never hear from these kids again. And I go, to be a kid going to... Like, a lot of them go to, like, Weequake or Barringer. Yeah. Right, I think yeah. Barringer. I went to Barringer for a day. That's one of the public schools, right? That's the Northward school. So that's the one I would have gone to. Well, I did go for like a day and I got expelled. In one day you got expelled? The first day, yeah. Also happened at Immaculate Conception in Montclair. Oh. That was the high school I was supposed to go to. I got expelled on the first day, both for fighting. Well, the first one I got arrested, but anyway. <laughs> if you're one of these kids, and, and I mean, that's your neighborhood school. Like if you're going to Barringer, again, I'm an ignorant person, but I can't imagine that it's... This, it's not fucking Del Barton. It's not Don Bosco. If you're a football player, it's not Don Bosco. This is not like a football factory where it's a cushy time. No. So for you to get attention from this school to the point where you get a D1 scholarship and then that gets fucked up and you just get tossed aside and never heard from again. When kids in Newark see that happen to the ones who are that close to making it out, it must create a feeling of like, why fucking bother? It has to. It's so funny. Like, uh, Jay-Z put out an album called 444 not too long ago where uh, he kind of like talks about like now that he's older, like he talks about like the, how he messed up cheating on Beyonce and like he admits all these faults, you know what I mean? And it was wildly vulnerable. And the reason I'm bringing this up is his first album, uh, Reasonable Doubt, like there's it's like that. Um, what's that? What's that word for like? Uh, it's, it's hip hop is about an expression of like what you hope for, you know, like what your goals are. Like, you know, it's, it's not a vulnerable, like rock and and punk and this shit. You probably grew up listening to like emo music. Like it's, it's, you know, it's all kids like being like how sad I am. Hip hop is all about like what I hope to get. Like, look at all the money I'm going to have and look at all these things. Like the, the big theme in a lot of hip hop music was they don't love us. They don't care about us we're going to do it on our own. And it doesn't matter how I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Like I said to somebody, I was like, I have a friend who grew up who ended up becoming a Coke dealer. At first he was a weed dealer just for like friends or whatever. And then he started moving into Coke and that's when shit got really, really weird. And a lot of us stopped hanging out with him. But I said to him, I go, so what? You make money. Uh, you make a lot of money. And then what? And he was like, at least I got to hold it. 
Like that's right. That's the thought process of a kid who grows up with absolutely nothing. Right. And the fact that the fact that there's no one like watching a kid do it the right way or, or show some exemplary level of talent and still not get somewhere just gives, just reinforces all of the go, go do it the easy way. Why go through all that trouble? Like why go through all that trouble of being like, you know, uh, whatever road scholar or, you know, winning all these like science fairs. If you still, still shit, shit still ain't going to happen. Like uh, this might be 15, 20 years old, but there was a story of like three kids that were killed executions down the basement of a house during their graduation party. And those kids did nothing wrong. I think they were af- affiliated with somebody who did something wrong. Like that's the kind of shit where you just say to yourself like, well then, then why does any of this matter? You know what I mean? Right. Then why, why not go do something stupid? Why not go do something fucked up? And I think that's why there's, at least for my generation, for when I was talking to the kids growing up who were from like way, way worse situations than I were. Like one of my best friends, his mom just married a guy and left and moved to Puerto Rico without him and would send $150 in the mail every week. We'd get $150, $150 cash. The kid, 13 years old, living by himself, taught himself how to drive a car Drove a car. He got pulled over by the cops multiple times, but in our neighborhood, people knew who he was. So they were like, nah, it's fine. Just go try not to hit anybody. You know, like this kid drove himself to school, to work. I was it's one of those stories where I'm like, this guy works for Con Ed, by the way, like, or PSENG. Like he's got a good job now. Like he kind of figured it out, but he had to raise himself. Like I could understand if that kid would have turned and said like, well, I have access to a car and $150 a week isn't enough. Let me go figure out a way to do it. And it's not like there's, a lot of stories of like, well, this person did it, you know, and I think that's why it's so significant for like when I got a chance to go back and talk to kids in school in Newark, I was like, there's a million ways out of here. Like there's, you know, and people like the teachers were upset that I was talking about it this way, but I'm like, I got to talk to them like the way they understand. Yeah. Like, this is how I wanted someone to talk to me. Like there's a million ways out. And I do feel like I kind of, I also feel like I kind of abandoned Newark a little bit because I live in Brooklyn and I don't live there. And my money isn't going towards those taxes and I'm not walking past those kids every day showing them like, Hey, I'm, I'm living a pretty normal life and I'm pretty successful. I have a TV show about soccer and you could do it and you could, they pay me to travel to Germany. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying that on a day to day basis. So even I feel like I kind of did it, but I feel like I had to leave to have any opportunity to bring it back. And I saw a bunch of those kids, like what you're talking about, like, you know, uh, Jay Williams, I remember was not from Newark, but he's from Jersey. And even that, like, you know, superstar for the bulls, and like an asshole, he gets in an accident on a motorcycle and now his career's over. Like they, there's like that dark cloud that hangs over all of us. So like, why not go do something stupid? Why not go make yourself a hood superstar if no one's going to let you be a real superstar? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just got to, uh, it's just, again, to just bum it around to the whole reason I wanted to reach out and get this audio is because I'm like, the number of people I knew who lived single digit miles away from where you lived probably Mm -hmm. who one generation ago, their families gave a shit about that town and then they pulled up the bridges and it became like a cautionary tale. And at times a joke, I go, Oh my God. Now I don't want to burn too much of your time. And I might follow up with you as I figure out how to edit this. And cause there's something fucking cool here in this conversation. I have time. Well, here's, and I love this conversation because no one, cares enough to ask me about it. It had to be a kid from West Orange to ask me about it. But it's true, right? Because I look at you and in the comedy scene, I look at DeVito and Stone. So Greg Stone grew up a block outside of Newark. Him and Anthony had such a funny relationship because Greg grew up in the... In the in Bloomfield, and Anthony grew up in Bloomfield, but on the Montclair yeah, side. But he grew up on the yeah, he grew up on the white on side, the Glen Ridge Montclair side, which is like yeah. West Orange too. You have the Orange side, you have the Livingston side. Glen Ridge is gorgeous. My mom used to work at Mount oh, Hospital. Oh, the gas lamps. Oh my god, I was like, well, these fuck, this isn't real. This is a fucking postcard. <laughs> uh, you know, you expect to see like covered wagons yeah. in Glen Ridge. Yeah. Uh, but Greg Stone one day on stage said, "I'm from Newark." And I love Greg. Greg is like, I, I, I can't call him a close friend because we don't hang out. But like, I absolutely, I dearly love him. We have a great relationship. I was like, don't you ever say that again. You gave it to him. Like dead ass. And he was like, well, I grew up a block outside of Newark. I go, say that. I go, it, try, it just means a lot to me. And I'm like, not one of those dudes like, I'm going to fuck you up. If you, I'm not that. I'm like, but come on, man. You didn't earn that. And, and he's like, well, the story is about how his bike would get stolen. I'm like, 
Yeah, we did that to the kids who lived outside of right. Newark. Yeah. You came to West. We're going to go the bike take your resources. Also came through West Orange. Let me be clear: yes. the bike thieves also yeah. came through West Orange. My Huffy White Heat. Absolutely. Remember the Huffy White Heat? Was that the one with the number on the front? Like you were BMX? It was kids? like a fake BMX Huffy, yeah. and I, I had one, and it was a hot bike. And then when God, well, in they were so smart. This is a, this is had to be a Newark kid. I went in the spring into my garage to go take my bike out, and I'm like, "Where the fuck is it?" I'm like. They came during a snowstorm. Genius. Blizzard. Nobody's taking your bike in a blizzard. I didn't notice for months. Yeah. Stealing bikes you know in else? blizzards? Who the fuck does that? There was a kid I grew up with who was like, I was, I forgot what I wanted. I wanted a pair of sneakers. I wanted something. I was like, man, I got to get money. I got to figure out how to get money. And I was like, I worked at a factory from like the age of 11 on, but like the factory wasn't giving me enough money and I can only work there certain hours during the week. Uh, some people are like, how'd you get a job at a factory at 11? They didn't ask. Uh, <laughs> they asked me to fill out paperwork and I put my social security card as uh, my social security number is seven and I still got the job. You know what I mean? They were just like, whatever, go don't, please don't cut your hand off. Cause then we have to throw you in a different uh, factory and say you work there. But uh, I was like, I got to get money. And this kid was like, if you know what you got to do, he's like, there's money in the meters in the, in the Remember the meters used to take coins. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah. And he goes rainstorm. No one can hear you sawing the pipe. Wow. So when it's raining, <laughs> you would steal the meter because of the coins in it. I was Use like, the how hard up, the <laughs> like, how, how hard up you got to be to be out in the rain using a fucking sawzall <laughs> on what's probably $9 worth of quarters in these like tiny little machines. Now, I brought up Greg and Anthony Neal because I do, I do feel like a certain kinship with Essex County people. And I feel like you and I had same. that right away. I feel like I had that with them. Yeah, same. Here's a question I want to ask you, and I might follow up with them at some point. But one thing you and I have always touched base on when we see each other, because we see each other every few years, you know, we'll passing yeah. do shows and then have like an actual chance to have a conversation every few years. Every time we always joke about they say Nork's coming back, baby. And you always have some <laughs> version of like, been here that for years. Yeah. I, and you yeah. always say, I know. Cause I remember once too, my wife, uh, my wife had a friend who was going to buy a condo in Nork. And I said, let me actually reach out to a buddy of mine to see if it's real. And I remember running the neighborhood past you and, this, and you had said, they say that's gonna, they say it, I'll believe I wouldn't. And I remember, I remember going, yeah, yeah. but it seems to me, I'm getting the sense that it's actually starting to happen a little bit. And I don't know how close you keep an eye on things, but I know people moving back to Newark for who I grew up with in the suburbs. I'm going, okay, it's starting to feel real. There's something happening where I feel like we're, we're so far. Actually, Newark just announced that there's sister cities with a city in Taiwan. I'm like sister cities, you know, like if back in the day, that would be like, we're sister cities with Rikers Island. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of nice. Uh, but like, I'm starting to see like, uh, Ross Baraka, who, who runs Nork now is a dude from Nork. And he's just like, he has Nork energy. Like he's not like the thing, like Sharp James was like maybe too much Nork energy. Uh, you know, if you're a creative player, they slid his Nork all the way to a hundred. Uh, and maybe that's too much. And then you asked, uh, Cory Booker, who was like 10, like he had no Nork energy, but he was probably the right guy to take it and move the city forward. Ross Baraka doesn't play like when COVID first started and there was a bunch of kids in my neighborhood with their cameras out being like, yo, fuck COVID. We don't care. We out here partying. That kid was apologized on the news the next day. And Ross Baraka was like, like, he was just like, you ain't going to do this shit to North. Like he was talking while real. And he was like, get up there. And the kid was like, yo, I just want to apologize. It was a bad example for North. Wow. Like, blah, blah. And I'm like, yo, that's different. I'm starting to see those changes. Like, I remember there was a kid who was a comic in Brooklyn who was like, yo, I just got, I rented a place in, in Newark for $2,000 a month. And I'm like, do you own a block in Newark? Like 2000 a month? Like you get a house for $30,000, like a brownstone. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I live in a building that has a media, it has a theater, uh, a bowling alley and a spa. I was like, yo, when I grew up in Newark, there were no theaters, bowling alleys and spas. Like, like I'm uh, Magic Johnson opened one of the first theaters mm-hmm. in Newark, like, that wasn't considered like, you know, the multiplex was like the the main one that like the Sopranos opening drives past. But that was like decrepit. Like Magic Johnson had to open one up. Like I was like, oh, my God, like there are signs that Newark is changing. The big issue is all of the people that have hand, had their hands in the pot in Newark. Like, you know, it's easy for me to, to say like, oh, it's all corruption. It was for a long time. The reason Newark didn't get better. Like, you know, Zuckerberg gave two hundred million dollars to the school system in Newark. And then and Newark. And uh, this is what I blame Booker for hired, you know, uh, hired, uh, 
consultants for like $1,500 an hour. You know, it's like, why, why is every time there's a gift given, it somehow never gets to the people that need it in Newark or the kids that need it in Newark. But there are things that are changing. There are, I don't know if I'm seeing people like flood back, but like the street that I got held up at gunpoint on, which used to be all abandoned buildings, those abandoned buildings, which were beautiful brownstones, they were just boarded up. Those it's like a bar, an art gallery. There's a boutique that I went to go buy a hat at. Cause I wanted to support some uh, Newark artists called 19 B. It's a dope little studio, uh, like boutique, like there's things there now. And I'm like, damn, man, when I was growing up, this was the street you had to walk through to get to the bus quicker. And that's why I got robbed because I didn't want to go the long way. You know, it's cool to see. I like seeing people move back there from my neighborhood and people whose families have roots there, which I think is actually gives me a little hope of like, like my friend is buying a condo in Newark and his family has roots there a long time. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Good. Increase my mother's house value. Well, Please. here's my question too. Flood back artists. From doing this New Jersey podcast, I actually had the chance a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Governor Murphy. Incredible. And a lot of it was bits and messing around because he's like a, kind of like a pretty like down to be goofy, funny dude. Yeah. But I also- A little bit of a knock around guy. Oh yeah. Like calls people knuckleheads and gets pressed for it. I posted I that. Love it. Yeah. This is, this is your fault. Yeah. I ultimate knuckleheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that But shit. I used it as a chance to ask him a couple questions as well. And I asked him about, I, I asked him, how come in Patterson they have the Great Falls and you can't turn that into tourist money? It's like this shockingly amazing waterfall. And then I also said to him, feels to me like Newark's finally starting to change after a lifetime of hearing about it. I go, now how are you going to make sure that gentrification doesn't have all its dark sides show up? And he gave an answer. I just want to know your thought on it because you, you have a much more vested interest than I do. He goes, I'm bracing for this answer, by the way. I thought it was pretty smart. He goes, look, there's a lot of people who have been there since before the 60s and who put up with a lot and went through a lot. And I don't think they need to be punished now if North does manage to bounce back. And he goes, when you have a city that used to have a population that's 200,000 people higher than it is today, you also have the, Kills me. he goes, you have the infrastructure in place to get 200,000 people back before you start needing to put strain on that system for the people who have paid their dues and who kept it alive, didn't let it totally die out. So he goes, I'm pretty confident that this is a city that supported hundreds of thousands of more people and it can do so again before we even need to think about other people suffering instead of benefiting from that. I, in the moment, you know, I was moving on to the next question, but when I sat and thought about the interview, I went, it's a pretty good fucking answer, Phil Murphy. And I guess I just want to bounce it off you and as somebody who cares, say like, does it feel real? Does it feel like it might happen? Here's what, okay, that, it is a great answer. But it's very, and this is why I wanted to run for mayor in North when I was a teenager. Uh, <laughs> it's very aspirational was the word I was looking for before mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. Jay-Z. Uh, and I'll say it's also aspirational. In theory, he's a 100% right. When I grew up, the city of Newark was around half a million. And now it's right around 200 something thousand. So it's, there's, people have left. People fled and aren't coming back. They're starting to come back now. Is there room for those, for new people to come in? Absolutely. The problem is, what do those new, what do new people bring? They bring additional tax revenue. And what is that tax revenue going to be used for? If that tax revenue isn't there to help the people in Newark that aren't homeowners, that aren't going to get, like my mother's a homeowner because six people in my family struggled to buy this house, you know what I mean, for a long period of time. They're going to benefit from the increased value that gentrification brings. The overwhelming majority of people in Newark aren't homeowners. So if there's going to be something there for them, something that allows them, my first thing is the schools, help the schools. But is that money going to go to the right? Who knows? But help the schools, help home, help renters, help, you know, add some rent control so that there's or rent stabilization so that it helps the people that don't have access to what the benefits of gentrification comes. I have friends that grew up in Williamsburg that were like, yo, this was gang area. Now there's some nice restaurants here. There's some Beautiful benefits to gentrification, but the overwhelming bad part of it is it disenfranchises a lot of people that grew up there that had to live there through the bad part. And now that it's good, can't afford to live there anymore. So if he can guarantee is a tough word, but he can start to show some work, some some thought process into how that's going to happen. I'll believe it when I see it. And with Nork, everything is I believe it when I see it, because I've, I've been told a bunch. I had a mural up at NJ Pack. When NJ Pack first opened, I was in art school in Newark 
And like we we drew a mural that was one of like the, the 50 murals throughout Newark that was uh, put up in there. And everyone's like, wait, till you see how this is going to change Newark? There was a guy. It wasn't a mayor, but he worked for the mayor at the time. He's like, wait, till you see how this changes Newark? NJ Pack is going to bring more people from outside Newark into Newark. It's going to bring in more revenue, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like like an old grizzled vet. I was like, yeah, I'll, see, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm like a kid. You know what I mean? I'm like 12 years old. And I'm like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, Doc. Like none of us, because we've been promised so much and none of it's ever happened. So I, it seemed like to me, it's a great answer. And I think he's 100 percent right. And I'm not worried about it. You know, people forget like the Ironbound section was always pretty high value. There was always a lot of people there who lived there with money. That's why I joke and say that's where we summered. It was always relatively nice. Just parking is trash. Uh, there's the Iron, the Iron, the North Ward has like mansions in it. Like if you drive closer to the park, you see like where doctors and stuff live. And there's Ivy Hill, right? Yeah, Forest Hills. I believe oh, right, is what right, you're right, talking right. about. Forest Hills. Yeah, yeah. So there's like there's gorgeous sections of Newark that have like mansions just waiting for someone to want to live in it. So there's places for people with money to go. But are you going to help the people that were already there? That's the question I have. So yeah, infrastructure, all that, absolutely amazing. Easy to get in and out of. Big train station. There's an airport there. There's big homes. There's beautiful parks. The best, uh, you know, uh, snow plowers in the game. It's the only point of pride in Newark is that we plowed our snow before everybody else did. There's there's all that. We got all that. But what about the people that are there that need the help? Are they going to get it? You know, is there going to be is there going to be a way? Is there going to be additional training for for these kids? So when they get out of school and don't have the means to get these big jobs in, in whatever tech, whatever comes to Newark, which I've been pushing for tour for Newark to get tech in these old factories like Freeling Highs and Ave. It's beautiful lofts, basically all that. Are you going to have that? If so, then I'm all for it. If not, it's just another chapter in the same sh- fucked up book about Nord. That's an amazing, amazing end. Dude, this was fucking brilliant. I might have to follow back up. I'm trying to figure out, like, like there's a part of me that just wants to release this, and there's a part of me that wants to, like, fi- like there's an, do you, you might even know him because he's around our age. There's this actor named Omar Scroggins. Do you know Omar? Yeah, I know him. I've yeah. done a few things. With, I don't know him personally. I've I acted in a show and in a commercial with him over the years. And similar to you and I, when when we met, we just started talking, and it was like the guards came down instantly, and he was like, "Where are you from?" And I was like, "West Orange." He's like, <laughs> "Okay, yeah, I got it." Like, I kind of want to follow up with him and reach out to people. And I weirdly have like a semi friendship with Method Man now, so I'm like, maybe I can convince him to get an interview with Red Man. Dude, Reggie Noble? Because that also, even as you were saying it before, I was like, with like rap being aspirational, and here my, how much, here's how much money I'm going to have. And then you have Redman as like the patron saint of Nork Rap, who is like, yeah. I'm a fucking- We're trying to get him a statue. Dude, he put it, it also his, like you listen to his albums, they're not always that. They're like, I'm going to stay high all the time and fuck everything up and be like- Yeah. I love it. You need that. You need that energy in Nork. You do. You know what I mean? You do. That's why I love when like, you know, people were like, oh, I did this fucked up shit growing up. Like, I'm not one of those people like if we did, I am that person. But like, if we did it, we would have been in jail and all that. It's like, yeah, it's true. But I like, I also like hearing that the kids in Nutley and Belleville and West Orange and all that were just as fucked up as we were. Cause dude, we did some wild shit, but like we, everybody kind of had to do something. Jersey was a weird fucked up place it to was, grow up. It was it's just the Newark, the Newark stories are a little bit different because the, the, the repercussions were always wilder. You know? <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. And we didn't have 13 year olds where the whole neighborhood knew that child is paying his own rent driving. Yeah. Car. Like that was, that was way over our line way over. But we, <laughs> but we had, everybody knows that that kid's family, like we had a family where everyone knew their house doesn't have windows. It's Saran wrap and every, no one's doing anything. About it. We had that house where like in the otherwise mm-hmm. pretty nice suburban neighborhood, it's like, is anyone going to help this? It's like six kids from this family in the schools. Like every one of us is in a, Every one of us has class with one of these kids. No one's going to help them. Like that sends a f- bad, weird fucking message. Like, dude, there was a kid from. There's a kid with epilepsy. We grew up with. We didn't know what happened to him. He just started shaking one day, Ooh. and somebody knew enough to like stop him from swallowing his tongue, like an adult nearby. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were like, "Oh, you know, where's his fam? Where's his parents?" And we were hanging out in the North Ward, and we're like, "He's from Belleville. Like, he's not from here. He's from the other town. Like, I don't know how to get in touch with his family." And they're like. Does he have a dad, right? Because you don't say, where's his dad? In Newark, you always say, do, do you have a dad? Yeah, like, that's yeah. the question. The, does he have a dad? And all of us, we were, what, 11, 12 years old, 13. 
And we're like, yeah, but he's a drinker. Like we all knew right. that was similar. Like he's a drinker was like, that a, was similar. To you're never going to find him. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're just never going to find, that's why he's hanging out with kids in Newark. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause the bars by him won't serve him anymore. So he's probably around here, you know? Yeah. Like we knew that at a young age. It's a, it's a weird, like I tell the, you know, Robbie Slovic, a comedian, yeah. super funny. I told him stories about me growing up and he was like, my God, he's like, did you grow up during like the, like a, the baby boomer age? Like the, or during the depression, like the stories I'm telling, like getting a job at a factory at 11 and this and that. He's like, that to us was like movies about like, you know, the turn of the century. He's like, <laughs> he's yeah. like, I did not grow up like that at all. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty wild, man. And I, it's, uh, I don't know why it became an important thing for me. Like, the, like I said, the amount of times that Nork comes up on this podcast and I just realized, man, like that city got fucked up and yeah. then the entire surrounding area just went, okay, let's not do anything about it for decades. It's fucking wild. Anyway. All right. I should split. You're the best. Do you want me to stop recording? Yeah. On this? Yeah. Let's stop recording and I'll, um, 